Hey everyone, it is Scott here. And before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to jump on to say on behalf of myself, Shane and Brad, a massive thank you to everyone for your love and support since episode one dropped. We, to be honest with you, were very blown away by um, the amount of support we've received. Um, We're truly, truly grateful for every single download and like, share, comment. Um, It all matters and we thank each and every one of you for your support so far. This is just the beginning of the journey. We are so excited for what lies ahead. Um, So a big, big thank you again to every single person for your support so far. Um, So without any further ado, let's get into today's episode. This podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we record, the Rwandri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal elders and Torres Strait Islander communities who may be listening today. They absolutely killed them with their first single. This is their album, uh, By Steps, and of course this is their latest single, which is called Last Thing On My Mind. First single from the album, 5678, was a huge seller. The same thing is going to happen with this one too. It's a great thrill to have them here in Australia, and indeed on Good Morning Australia too. We welcome Claire and Lisa, Lee, Faye and H. Last Thing On My Mind, ladies and gentlemen, Steps. Welcome to episode two of Glitter and Gold, the original Steps podcast. This is the first podcast dedicated to discussing and dissecting the legacy of Steps, the UK's biggest mixed gender pop group of all time. I'm Shane. I'm Scott. And I'm Brad. How are we, gents? Welcome. Episode two. Thank you. Welcome. Here we are. We've, uh, we've, we've made it to this point where we can... <laughs> <laughs> the the, uh, the journey it has taken just to get to recording this episode, so um, we've made it. Yeah, how's your week been? Um, it's been really, really good. I, I think the last um, the thing that we should probably talk about was all three of us had the the privilege last weekend of um, seeing a hundred years of hit of winter hit maker Darren Hayes, which mm-hmm. was amazing. He's on the dance floor, hit maker, and mm-hmm. he's on the dance floor, and. Just to make everything steps related in our lives, Tanya Doko from Bachelor Girl, who supported, um, obviously wrote "Don't Leave Us Halfway" from What the Future Holds. So it was a whole steps songwriter evening. Yeah, it was. It was great. We were living our nineteen ninety seven Savage Garden fantasy. I know I was. He did a lot of affirmation, didn't he? Not so much the first album. Ah, uh, no, he didn't actually. You're right there. It was more affirmation. Like he did I Don't Know You Anymore. He did Two Beds in a Coffee Machine. I think he did like another album track from Affirmation as well. Like he did a few album tracks. Mm. It was funny because like I think because for Shane and I, we we obviously only knew the singles and you could tell when like where we were sitting, there was diehard fans that with those songs Mm -hmm. being played that were like, what is this song? And it was some like obscure album track that everyone knew the words to and we had no idea. Yeah. That was my time to sit down. Yeah, um, <laughs> absolutely. That was time for a drink. Yeah, it was definitely time for a drink. I found it so interesting as well that, you know, Darren is obviously, his album is called Homosexual. I think he's kind of been open that, like, you know, he wanted to embrace his authentic self, yet the audience, to my knowledge, was a lot of straight couples. Oh, It was yeah. that, and it was a lot of horny girls. Yeah. I was having this conversation with friends only yesterday who are Darren Hayes fans, and there's these girls that follow him around the country or the world, and they're all in their 30s and late 30s and early 40s now, and they're all frothing over him. Really? He's not frothing over them, but they're frothing over him. Like my One of my friends messaged me on the night, and I was like messaging her during the concert, Scott. I don't know if you saw and I said, having a good time. And then she goes to me, oh, he's so hot. And I'm like, oh, is he hot and sweaty? Because she was like second row from the front. I'm like, is he hot and sweaty? And Or do you mean like hot as in you want him to go, yeah? And she's like, look, he might be gay, but I'm not. <laughs> so, I was going to say, do these, are these women aware of, have they, have they not read yeah. the news in the last 15, 20 years? They're so aware, <laughs> but they're just thirsty for a bit of DH. So there they you don't go. Care. Love yeah, that. Exactly. Love that for them. Um, well, guys, what are we here to talk about today? This is an episode that I'm so excited to get into. So what are we, what are we doing? Um, I guess we're going to talk about five, six, seven, eight. 
uh, last thing on my mind, step one, basically all of that, but from an Australian point of view, maybe we're going to talk about steps in Australia. Is that what we're going to talk about? Yeah, we are. So I think, you know, what's been one of the things when we decided that we wanted to do this podcast, obviously we are three fans in Australia and, you know, the narrative that we always get back is the journey that they had in the UK and all the experiences that the fans in the UK got to experience of steps. But in Australia, there was, you know, there was a, a whole journey of their Australian career that doesn't really get spoken about. And, and we, today we want to celebrate it. We want to talk about it. We want to dissect it. Um, there's some really amazing bits to this story. There's some really frustrating bits to this story. Being a steps fan in this country was not always easy. Um, we want to celebrate the success that they had in Australia because, you know, before, especially in the beginning, they had a great deal of success here and we want to we want to talk about it and we want fans from the UK to get an understanding of what it was like to be a fan of Steps in Down Under. Mm. I think as well we want to talk about, I think because what I find interesting is that not a lot of people know this, but I feel like Steps were bigger in Australia first before they were big in the UK. Yeah. Five, six, seven, eight, and the last thing on my mind really like struck gold here right before One Pesoro was a thing. Do either of you remember the first time you heard 5678? I do. Um, it and this is something that's going to come up again and again, I think, throughout this conversation. It was Top of the Pops. Um, and I think we talked about it in our intro episode. For people that um, were lucky enough to have cable TV back in the late 90s, we got Top of the Pops. I think it was like a week after the UK. So we were only like a couple of weeks behind in episodes. And that was where I got an understanding of all of the music that was coming from the UK and what was going to kind of hit here in a few months' time. And I do distinctly remember the first time I ever heard the song and saw it performed was on Top of the Pops. Um, so it must have been around January 98, so before it had been released here. But I distinctly remember that was the first time that, that I heard it. What about you, Shane? Um, for me, it was video hits. It was like a random, I don't remember what day it was, but the, the clip just appeared on video hits and I was like, mm, what's this? And then mum going, oh, it's that song. And so she turns it up and then she she's like, oh, I bought the CD. And then she shows me the CD. I'm like, I don't like this song. It's not that great. And I was like, I'm going to listen to Spice Girls. <laughs> I love that your mum bought it before you. Literally, mum bought it before I did. I, I just, because I didn't like the song, the impression of um, 5, 6, 7, 8, like implanted on when I first heard it is pretty foggy. It's not as, as um, what's the word, vivid as, as last thing in my mind because mm. that was, I remember that. That was also video hits, which I mentioned last episode. Brad, for you? So my siblings were the ones who introduced me to Zeps because they had 5, 6, 7, 8 and last thing on my mind and... I'm also, I've got some chart positions here. And so forgive us if the dates are wrong. These are based from australian-charts.com. So if the date isn't quite as you remember it, that is fine. We're all in this together. So 5678 debuted at 43 on the 15th of March, 1998. And it actually went down very well in Australia because we had our first number one. Number one! I think it's all down to the video because we hadn't actually been to Australia at that point. I can't say I remember it like it being a number one, but I just remember it being everywhere all the time. I, yeah, no, I, I distinctly remember this being number one. And like you said, Brad, this song was everywhere like I felt like you could not escape this song and I I you know what you were saying before Brad about sort of almost they they had success here before the UK I almost wonder if the feeling was the same in the UK the hysteria that this song was was doing here and I don't know if it's just because you know we're a smaller country and we were consuming it because we were seeking it but um you just you couldn't escape this song yeah, I remember hearing it everywhere, but also, again, hearing it going, oh, it's that song that I didn't really like. <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? And going, oh, it's that song. And then mum playing the CD at home is where I heard it the most. Yeah. Um, heard it the most, sorry. But, yeah, it, it's, it's yeah, I mean, look, it's synonymous for Australia. I bet Steps are so sick of talking about 5, 6, 7, 8 every time they do an interview with Australian media <laughs> because it's, it's, it's what they're known for here. Yeah, I mean... 
those interviews that they did, I mean, this is really jumping ahead, but during the last sort of like couple of years with what the future holds, every single interview they did, it just referenced five, six, seven, eight constantly. Um, and they just, they had, they had other singles that still did really well that we're going to talk about, but yeah, that's always the one that everyone remembers. It um, stayed in the top 50 for 19 weeks. Um, that's how well it did. It's certified platinum. Um, and is it the 15th best-selling single of 1998? 15th best-selling single of 98. Wow. What a moment. That's insane. It really only left the chart because the single, from what I can tell, was basically they stopped producing them when the last thing on my mind came out in Australia in late June. So last thing on my mind jumped from 22 to 9 on the 12th of July. And that's roughly when 5678 dropped from 17 to 31 and then out of the chart. What I also did, the other thing that I just wanted to really point out here, because this is something that is quite, um, this is a big part of the story of Step's journey in Australia um, for this step one era at least um, steps were actually signed to um, Liberation Records in Australia which is a subsidiary label of Mushroom Records um, which Mushroom Records at the time was the biggest independent record label in this country um, and a lot of people might recognise that name from Kylie in particular was on that label specifically throughout the early um, years of her career um, label was owned by Michael Gadinsky I can never say his name properly so apologies if that is is not how you say it. And he was a really well-respected um, music mogul in, in the country. Sort of, you know, he had the support of TV, radio, magazine, any artist that was on his label. Everyone seemed to really get behind. And so I think that's just something to note um, that with Steps being on that label, I feel like that is part of the, the reason why they got such positive support in these early days because they were on, you know, if Michael was backing them, they must be good. And so everyone wanted to get behind them as well. Very, very true. I also, I forgot to mention this on my notes, but I want to ask if either of you saw the first season of Josh Thomas's Australian show, Please Like Me. I did, I did. I've not seen the whole season, but I have seen what you're talking about. <laughs> You'll remember that 5678 is actually, I think it's like a bit of a motif. Like if you were studying the first season of Please Like Me, 5678, because it was played in a few pivotal scenes. It actually, it was a scene where Josh's auntie reminded her of her, like her dead husband. So like it was actually used a couple of times. So I was not expecting that. And we thank you, Josh Thomas. Do either of you recall seeing that and getting, did your friends text you? Because mine texted me. I didn't get any text, but I do remember. Yep. Yeah, I had some friends message me and go, oh, steps are in, please like me. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. And then I just watched the highlights from that, epi- like from, <laughs> from that episode. Yeah. His mum had like a breakdown in the episode and like they, you were singing 5678 to like calm her down and then the hot boyfriend was um, rapping to it and he knew all the words. <laughs> he knew all the words better than I did because I, I still can't remember all the words to that song. So, but yeah, I do remember that scene and I had such a crush on the guy who was doing that. I can't remember what the actor's name is, but he was very cute in that show. Fun fact, though, for those diehards is that you'll notice when you watch the scene on YouTube that although the rap is mostly the same, it is a combination of the two verses. It's not actually one full verse. There is a bit of back and forth from the different verses at the end of that. I guess that leads us into the second single, Last Thing On My Mind, which is pretty prominent for all of us. I've said it before, it was video hits Saturday morning. I was laying like on my side watching the TV being lazy and I shot up when it came on and I was like, what is this? It, and that's so vivid. Like it feels like it happened yesterday. Was it Lee Speedos that got you shot up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 14 year old me with Lee Speedos. <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, this is, and it, it, like what Pete Waterman said, it had ABBA vibes to me. And I think that's what made me perk up straight away. And then that afternoon I had the CD single and I was just on repeat Yeah. Um, from that day. For you, Brad? For me, I'm a little bit younger, so <laughs> uh, I can't really differentiate between 5, 6, 7, 8 and lasting on my mind in terms of specific periods, especially because 5, 6, 7, 8 was on the lasting on my mind single. But I would say that something I discovered recently, which one of my friends has to tell me about, and I literally, I hunted him down to give me the DVD, is that 
Fast Forward did a parody of it uh, right around the time it was debuting. It did. So I was just reading some of the stats that we've got here just to remind my, myself and I didn't know of the Fast Forward parody. So I need to see this because I haven't seen the Fast Forward parody. As a Steps fan, I can't believe it's not in my sphere. It was on YouTube. Was it? That was me. Oh, that was you. Who's playing who? Is it like Gina Riley and Jane Turner? No, it's it was a lot later. It's um, who hosts Rockwiz? Oh, Julia Zamiro. I actually also think it wasn't Fast Forward, it was Full Frontal. Full Frontal, that makes more sense. Yeah, because by that time, Fast Forward fast forward was early 90s, I think Full Frontal. Same concept, same sort of people, but I'm fairly sure it was Full Frontal. So it could be like Kitty Flanagan, Eric Banner. It was Julia Zamiro was Faye. The sister from Muriel's Wedding, uh, I don't know the actress's name, I do apologise. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, amazing. Yeah, she was Claire. Oh, uh, yeah. The one who says, you're terrible, Muriel. Gabby, Gab, Milgate, that's it, yeah. Oh my God, this is amazing. Can you please send me the link for this? Maybe we can um, provide the link in the podcast for people to watch. God, have you seen it? I've seen it. No, I see it, but I actually tried to find it today. I couldn't find it. Is it? No, yeah, I made it private. I'm sorry. Get you. It's so good. It's it's so funny. You need to see it. So let's let's touch on more on like, last thing on my mind. I'm, I'm, I want to talk a little bit about what it actually means to me. For me, it's actually, if I was to pick a step song that I had to listen to for the rest of my life and that was the only one I would, could listen to, it'd probably be last thing on my mind. Oh, 100% agree with you. For me, it imprinted on me so much that it has healing properties. I know that sounds so ridiculous, but... <laughs> Who needs crystals when you've got step? <laughs> this podcast is not turning into a therapy session, but <laughs> when I was younger, around the time that this song came out, it wasn't a great home life um, with some of mm. you know my stepdad. Steps for me became that escapism, and this has been said by many fans before. The, the one thing that really sticks out is the last thing on my mind. It's also... The, like, I know that dance back to front, and I know yep. the bits in between that they perform at various different top-of-the-top performances. For me, that song is just like, I listened to it on the way here today. Do you know what I mean? So it, it gets mm, heavy yeah. rotation 25-plus years later. Yeah. So um, for me, it holds a dear spot in my heart. I have the, the CD single in the card, and I had a pull-out poster that had the dance steps on the back of it. I think it came in the CD single, but it probably came in the album. I can't remember now, but... We have had this conversation. and We have, we have. Yeah, um, so jumping ahead a bit, but there was a... Um, in the, the UK single, um, CD2 came with Blasting on My Mind on one side, and then the other side was just um, the five individual... Uh, images of them but in australia the step one album uh, early copies came with a double-sided poster with five six seven eight dance steps on one side and lasting on the other side so i feel like that might be what you're thinking of i think you might be right lasting was released on 22nd of june 1998 yep. um it debuted at 29 on uh, number 29 on the 28th of june here in australia and in the same week five six seven eight was at number four it got to number six in total number five Number five in Australia, yeah, yeah, sorry. Once in August, and then it peaked again at number five when the band came over for a promotional tour. Yep. Um, spent 20 weeks in the top 50, which is just insane. I mean, can you just take me back to a, a world where Steps spent 20 weeks in the top 50 singles chart in Australia? It was the 18th best-selling single of the 98. So we just said we had 5678 was the 15th best-selling single, and then just three spots down, you had a number 18 lasting in my mind. So two... Um, singles in the top 20 best-selling singles of 98 um, and was certified platinum as well. And um, Brad, you touched on it before um, and you raised a really good point around 5678 being deleted from production. So that was true. Um, so the week that um, Last Thing in My Mind debuted at number 29, 5678 was still at number four. Um, first run copies of the single came with like a hype statement on the sleeve to say it includes the hit single 5678. And then within a few weeks, Weeks, five six seven eight the last week on the chart was the 19th of july where it was at number 31 and in that same week last thing in my mind was already in the top 10 at number eight and then the following week five six seven eight completely dropped off the top 50 
Um, and, you know, it did its job, right? So they obviously were like, okay, we've got this next single. We kind of, we want it to have the same success as 5678, but 5678 is still in the top five. Let's stop production of that single. Let's chuck that song on the new single. Let's just put a little hype statement to say it's on there. And then fans will buy that instead. And it definitely did the job because I remember when I bought the single going into, I think I bought this from Target in Greensboro Plaza. I still remember it. And I remember looking at it and going, oh, it's got five, six, seven, eight on it as well. Two for the price of one. So it definitely, I think in the beginning stages of lasting in my mind, being such a hit so quickly, I think it had something to definitely do with five, six, seven, eight being on the single as a sort of like a two for one. Mm. When I listened to that single for the first time that day on that Saturday after watching my video hits, I took it home, listened to the single, and then it went to 5678. That's when I realized, oh. It's the same people. I was like, oh. Yeah. Wait, yep. they make that song and they make this one. Well, this song's better. <laughs> and then yep. growing to love 5670 over the years to an extent. Yeah. Do you know the other thing that I remembered as well about this was they would always have individual images on the back of the of them with their name. And in the 5678 single, it had Ian. And in the last thing on my mind single, it had H. And, it, you know, he, he looked at, I think he had a different hairstyle or something. And I was convinced that it was a different member. I think for ages I thought, oh, they've they've you know, got a new member in for some reason. Um, So I always found that quite funny that I thought Ian and H were different people. Um, I touched on uh, what lasting my mind is to my core. Mm. Um, Scott or Brad, whoever wants to go first, what does lasting my mind mean to you? Yeah, I think, look, probably very similar to you, Shane, to be honest. Um, Again, I remember hearing this song for the very first time and almost sort of thinking, what is this? Like, this is not... You know, I was such a pop fan by this point and it was all about All Saints and Spice Girls and Bewitched and Billy Piper, I think, was out by that point or just about to come out. So it was all about the pop. But for some reason, last thing on my mind, it was almost like this was on another level. It wasn't just pop music. It was something even better than that. And I remember I was just hooked straight away. I probably, similar to you, this is probably, if there was one song that I could only listen to for the rest of my life from Steps, it probably would be this one. I'll never get sick of it. And I vividly remember buying it. I think I bought it on like a Thursday or a Friday night. And then the next day I was at a friend's sleepover actually. And I remember we put on Rage and the music video was on Rage. And I was like, oh, that's the song I bought yesterday. So like, it's it's interesting how there's certain things like that that are just stuck in your brain that you remember because they're so important to you, even probably without even realizing at the time how important it is. Um, but yeah, I think similar, very much like you, just it was, this was when I was, I was in five, six, seven, eight, you know, yep. You know, it was a good, good song. Probably at that time, probably had a bit of a one-hit wonder vibe to it. So you know, it could have gone either way. But I think by this song, I was, I was in hook, line, and sinker. I was, I was in. What about you, Brad? It's really interesting that you mention like you being into Spice Girls and All Saints because if you look at the timing, Jerry left the Spice Girls around the thirty-first of May, and that's around the time when Five Six Seven Eight Lasting on My Mind came out. So for me, I definitely noticed myself that I started to like I needed a new band to latch on to because I think we all kind of knew Jerry leaving that it was kind of the end. So I don't look, I don't have the same kind of I guess emotional attachment to this song. I think because I, this is actually the first time I noticed how deeply sad and traumatizing steps lyrics can be oh yeah because this like the lyrics are really sad you know maybe as an adult you know i can kind of take more joy from it it's definitely important in terms of their legacy in australia and for me as a fan yeah and you know just going back to like this in australia i would like this you know, five six seven eight was everywhere but i feel like by the time this was a hit steps were just everywhere like you couldn't escape them in australia this song was all over the radio which is another thing like you know in the uk they really struggled with radio play but i distinctly remember them always being on the radio around this time this was everywhere because it wasn't a kiddie song like i know everyone thinks of steps as a kid's band but you know five six seven eight had you know techno elements of it this was quite you know quite dancey you know the band was still obviously finding their image and it was you know even in the music videos you know there were people partying on the beach or partying in the pool thing like it was definitely like for adults which i think worked well in australia to a certain extent one thing we haven't touched on with last thing on my mind is it's actually a cover of a banana rama song it is and the original version is not the same version that like when pete waterman decided to give this to steps to cover he stepsified it and coined the term 
Aberon speed, and they reference that in the film clip with the in the first chorus with their faces, uh, you know, side by side, like what um, Agnetha and Frida do in one of I think it's like Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, there's those references there as well, which added to that maturity of it, yeah, that, as opposed to five, six, seven, eight, and added to that pop sound that I think hooked us all in. And actually, like on the ABBA thing as well, I mean, in Australia, ABBA were huge. You know, huge, uh, um, Australia was, I think, one of or if not the biggest territory for ABBA. So obviously those ABBA references and, and similarities obviously was, I would also say, a bit of a, a part to play in the success of Steps in the early days here because they had that, you know, they were always referencing ABBA and we loved ABBA in Australia. And it was, and it was not long after Muriel's Wedding and Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, which ABBA was having uh, a, a second coming in Australia, a resurgence, and Steps tapped into that, and we tapped into Steps tapping into that, which meant that Steps were big here for for that song and for five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, there's definitely that element of it there. ABBA was not this is not an ABBA podcast, but in the seventies, one in three Australians had an ABBA record. That's the stats that that they have. Like I think around Fernando, around that era, they were huge here and still are kind of. Oh, absolutely. And in an alternative universe, one in three people have a Steps record in their home. <laughs> <laughs> so we had five, six, seven, eight, and we had Last Thing in My Mind. So you would probably think, all right, we need an album. Now, did you guys know, because I didn't real, I knew this, but I didn't realize this until we were doing research, that Step 1 was released in Australia a month before the UK. Did you, either of you know that? I did not know that. Yes. That meant that there was an opportunity for them to pretend like track seven wasn't a thing and give us something else. But <laughs> nope, they decided to keep that on the album. Nope, we still got it. So step one was released here on the 17th of August. So it was released in the UK on the 24th of September, I believe. Um, but we got it on the 17th of August, 98. Um, and it debuted at number seven on the 23rd of August. And it was the 35th best-selling album of 1998 and certified platinum in this country and you might think well if the album's out early wouldn't it be great if the band came over to promote it which they did mm-hmm. they certainly did i have a core memory with this album i remember buying it from sanity at crown casino because there used to be a sanity store there i remember it coming out and me being in the city school trip i think it was and buying it on the school trip almost the day that it came out and also getting a poster from that sanity because i had promo posters and i asked for one and the guy took it off the wall and gave it to me oh amazing which i just need steps i just need steps to sign, sign it. it so i've got to somehow get them to sign it but it's framed in a frame at home so yeah i know you guys mentioned how impressive it was that lasting on my mind spent 20 weeks in the australian top 50 Step one actually spent over 35 weeks in the Australian top 50. It spent 36 weeks. So you were very close. 36 weeks in the top 50. And how many of those do you think were in the top 20? Take a guess. 10. I was going to say 10 as well. 13. So it was 13 um, non-consecutive weeks, but um, 13 non-consecutive weeks in the top 20. And yeah, it was in the top 50 for over six months, which is just... Like bands would kill for that nowadays. Oh, absolutely. They would look, Steps would kill for two weeks in the top 50 in Australia now. Um, but you know, that just shows how big they were here, and that even releasing an album and a month before it's even out in the UK and just off the back of you know a number one single and a top five. Keep in mind that at this point, One for Sorrow hadn't even come out yet. So in the UK, One for Sorrow was already out, um, and the album was about to come out, but here. Um, last thing on my mind and 5678 had done so well that Liberation were probably like, okay, you know, we know we've got them coming. We're going to get them for a promo tour in September. Let's just get the album out now. There's a demand for it. So let's touch on the promo tour a little bit. I was 14, so I didn't really get to see them on any promo tours. Like I didn't go to the in-store at High Point Shopping Centre in Melbourne or the Step 1 album launch, um, which was on the 8th of September at the Melbourne Metro Nightclub. But a friend of mine at school went to it and I remember her coming to me to school the next day going, I went to the promo at Metro Nightclub and she's like, I met them. She showed me all these. How did she get into Metro Nightclub under 18? No, she went with like a parent or something like that. Yeah, she was coming by an adult. And so she got like photos with Lee H and, she, and then she just kept hanging it on me. She's like, I met Steps before you did. And I was like, fuck off. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but um, I never got to see any of that. I do remember the TV performances on Good Morning Australia. I, I remember Hey Hey. Have a powwow with Hey Hey. 
This week, music from Steps. I remember um, in Melbourne tonight. Wednesday, it's IMT with the special time of 8.30 with Cherry Lewis via satellite and UK supergroup Steps. Um, there's more, though. There's more. I got one for Totally. I think it's called Live and Wide or to- Totally Wild. Totally Wild, yeah. Oh, my God. With Ranger Stacey. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. There was a show called Totally Wired. W-I-R-D. It's on YouTube. And Pauline Pantsdown oh. was actually the host of that episode. So it's really bizarre to see Pauline Pantsdown, which is a guess an Australian parody drag performer, obviously parodying mm-hmm. the one and only Pauline Hansen. Yeah, there's just weird seeing Pauline pants down and the lovely steps. Oh, I need to look at that. That was the, that was the steps and that was last thing on my mind. And, that was and the, great. Last, the last thing on my mind, I, I don't know, it was some half-baked policy I can't even remember, but they're fantastic. <laughs> they are fantastic. And this is the album. It's called Step One. Make sure you get out and support Steps because <laughs> they are going to be huge all over the world. Yeah. They already are. And we're just chuffed to have you guys on Ground Zero. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thanks for having us. The sun's shining. Oh, yes. Definitely. Definitely. All right, we're going to a break. We'll be back with Jackie O's Gossip and the Leading Edge Top 10 Singles. I'm just looking at this note here. It says Peter Rosethorn bumping into Lisa Scott Lee before the ad break. Yes. Basically, someone explained that to me. Is that... Brett Dean Craig from Kath and Kim bumping into it is Queen of the Huns, at least Scott Lee, before an ad break. <laughs> what a pairing. I know, right? Can someone please elaborate that to me? <laughs> it's no longer on YouTube, but Rude. I distinctly remember. So it was an episode of Hey, Hey, It's Sad Day. I think it was either the 5th or the 12th of September. I'm guessing the 12th because they came to Australia around the 7th or the 8th. And basically, Peter Rosethorn was hosting the episode because uh, Daryl, I'm guessing, was not available or for whatever reason. And they performed in the first like section of the show. And as they were going into the ad break, they were all like, you know, standing around the stage and doing a bit of a dance. And Peter Rosethorn was doing some, you know, classic Aussie dad dancing. And he fully bumped into Lisa right as they went to ad break. So if anyone has that video still, please send it to us. I have seen this clip before. I, it was on YouTube at one point. I've, I have a memory of this, but I, it hasn't been on there for a long time. Talking of Lisa Scott Lee, this recent promo trip to Australia was where she fell in love with Australia. Uh, in Australia, we have an Australian question here. Yeah. Uh, do Steps plan uh, to go back to Australia and did you enjoy your first visit? I loved Australia. I fell in love with it. I really did. Really good people and really cool vibe. And I'd, I'd like to live there when I'm older. I'd like to got, live there. Yeah, definitely, when I've grown up. As we'll talk about in future episodes, she was going to film a second season of Totally Scott Lee in Australia around that whole electric time and all that sort of stuff. So that leads into that. But we're not going to talk about that now. you got to listen to the next few episodes for that one. Yeah. One of the other things, so with this promo tour, I remember being absolutely frustrated because my mum just refused to take me to high point i remember wanting to go to the in-store so bad and remember back then in-store signings would always be at like 4 p.m on a thursday Mm. at like a shopping center in the suburbs and the audience that want to go would have just been at school high point or southland or something yeah and i remember i was i would have been i would have been 11 at the time and yeah mum was just like absolutely not you're not going to high point shopping center but i just remember being gutted god forbid you miss a day of year five but you would have finished school because school finishes at three i know but you got to remember this is 98 i'm 11 my, this is before the work from home era you know it wasn't easy just to pop to high point at 4 p.m on a thursday but yeah i remember being gutted i couldn't go to that in store slight segue but i remember doing the same thing but because i was in year 12 i've got my own way home from school and this was in the year 2000 and Australia's biggest girl group, Bardot, did an in-store appearance at the local shopping centre not far from where I went to school. And so after school, we just went down on the bus and then I met Bardot. <laughs> Fabulous. I mean, that's worth wagging school for. You didn't, did you wag school for that? No, you just left. No, I, I had finished, no, I finished school for the day. It was in the afternoon, so I didn't have to wag oh, school. I would have wagged school for that. <laughs> Actually, um, we can talk about the other promo tour, but there was a day I did wag school when Steps came back for their second promo tour. This is a segue for another day. I mean, yeah. why wouldn't you? Correct. Correct, correct. Um, one of the other um, highlights for this promo tour, which I don't know if it was a another album launch party in Sydney as well, but they did do a performance at Seager World. Seager World, yeah. TV Hits yeah. covered that. I remember that. I wish I had been there for that. Yeah. I, I guess none of us were there. No. It was in Sydney. We're all in Melbourne and we're all children. <laughs> 
One thing to note with that promo tour as well, because of their success with the first two singles and Step 1, on Hey Hey, they're actually awarded um, Platinum Records for 5678 and Last Thing I Mind, little, uh, you know, awards that there's photos of that we can there is, yeah. um, put on an Instagram page and so forth that have been circulated before. I think it's in... Steps of the book? Yeah, the book, yeah, yeah. The Platinum Collection as well has um, Hey Hey, It's That Day. Exactly, in the, in the album slip, yeah. They were given that when they came here as well as a sign of their success. One of the other things that I love, um, having heard about this promo tour over the years, was um, the fact that in the Steps reunion, Claire mentions that they, they got off the plane at like six in the morning, went straight to a photo call, had a, did a full day of promo, and then um, classic Lisa and Faye style, they went for a night of partying in Sydney with no sleep. Remember, we went to Australia, we landed at like six o'clock in the morning, went straight to do a photo call, and they just kept going, partied. I'll tell you another story about Australia, though. <laughs> we, we'd had a long, long journey. Really? Yes, the guys went to bed. Yeah. And me and Faye were sharing the room on that, on that occasion, and we'd been given a yeah. little hamper, and there's, you know, a little few miniatures in there. So we, you know, had a few of those. And, and, and it must have been about 10 or 11 at night. And we went out, the two of us, and we went clubbing, and we went, and we just thought, you know, first time in Australia, we were so excited, and we went to see all these different, like, Saying clubs and what have you, and we literally, we I think we beat the jet lag because we we just went I mean, we stayed away. No. That TV performance of them on Good Morning Australia with Bert Newton is in that day where they did that promo. They had been in the country like four hours, and then they were like dancing to Last Thing in My Mind with Bert. I'll never know the front. We we love you too. <laughs> just by like one of the guys loves me. You know what I mean. One of the other things about this promo tour as well is um, H said in uh, a podcast a couple of years ago that this was when they were so sleep deprived um, because they had to fly economy to Australia that they all put their foot down to the label and said, from now on, we're only flying business class on future trips. And so they should. Agreed. Absolutely. That's insane. And I remember a really low point for me was when we were in Australia. I don't know what it was back then, but now looking back on it, I was probably having a little mini breakdown and I didn't know it. And I was just crying and sobbing my heart. And I remember from that point onwards, we actually sat down and went, right, we're not puppets. You can't treat us like this anymore. That was the last time we flew a company anywhere. I remember that. I guess I just wanted to quickly loop back and talk about how the promo tour affected Step 1's chart position. So, interestingly, there was kind of two moments where Step 1 kind of jumped up massively in the charts. One was when uh, the Steps came over for their promo tour. It was at number 13 and then it jumped to number 5 the week of the 20th of September. And then it also jumped to number five once again on the 11th of October. And I have a bit of a theory about why this happened. We all know that the next step single was One for Sorrow. to talk about in terms of you know vocal distribution and we'll get to that at a later point we want to specifically talk about it from an australian point of view i think we all kind of agree that we didn't really see much of one for sorrow like out and about as much as five six seven eight and lasting on my mind no. but what i can tell you from a charts position point of view is that one for sorrow debuted at number 40 on the charts of the 11th of October 1998, which is the same week that Step 1 jumped from 20 to number 5. So I think whatever One for Sorry did, it seemed to mainly push the album up rather than uh, that single individually. And it should also be noted as well, like, totally fair point and I kind of, I feel the same, right? When you look at it, you can kind of see, okay, One for Sorrow debuted at number 40. It stayed in the top 50 for nine weeks. It, it you know, it, it, it did alright, like it kind of hovered around the bottom end of that top 50. But at the same time as one for sorrow debuted at 40 last thing on my mind was still in the top 20 so i think there was probably a few elements of why one for sorrow didn't do what it should have done um in that last thing on my mind was still really like being probably played to death on radio and all over the tv that was probably the song that was really pushing the album one for sorrow was also doing that to a degree it was probably you know doing its thing and getting people to buy the album but i i feel like probably another part of it was that last thing on my mind was just still being hammered to death on radio they had not long been here like this is only four weeks after the promo tour where they've been performing last thing on my mind all over the country on tv 
day in performances. So I feel like one for sorrow just didn't have its moment because the last thing in my mind was still just doing its thing. Mm, completely. Um, I, I remember missing one for sorrow having its moment purely for the fact is for about a month or six weeks, I was overseas on a school exchange and it happened, that all happened while I was overseas. I took one Zeddy with me. It was step one. I played that on my discman and I listened to of that course. while I was there. But when I came back, I was like, oh, One for Sorrow is huge because I remember hearing it in Germany um, and in, in um, France when I was there because it, it was getting some radio traction there. Come back and I was like, so what's going on with One for Sorrow? Nothing was happening. It just felt like it had flopped. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. And I feel like as well, when they were here in the tour i don't remember them or recall them ever performing this song given that it was only released four weeks later so i think that if they'd done some performances of it it might have done a little bit better but yeah if it's a shame that it kind of didn't do what it should have done like it did in the uk you know it's a bit a bit overshadowed they did come to australia though main their main performances were in one for sorrow white so i do wonder whether there was a plan to do some one for sorrow performances and then they just changed their mind because they did wear the white outfits throughout the promo tour they were on they're on a budget they only had one outfit <laughs> 50, 50 pounds a week yeah, yeah. <laughs> they couldn't afford a new outfit for australia so we'll just recycle the outfits from back home one for sorry was the turning point for them in the UK, um, which we know this, you know, this is where they started to really take off in the UK from One for Sorrow. Yeah. And, and we know that. Scott, what was your memories of, because I know obviously Shane, you were in the UK for all of it, but Scott, do you have any memories of One for Sorrow here? I do. Again, like, it's so funny. I can't remember really important things like how to do tax, but I remember <laughs> when I bought this single. It's like, it's funny how you, my brain works. So I remember buying this single the day it came out because do any of you remember the magazines you used to be able to buy? At, oh, I think they were free from Sanity. Yeah. Was it the same magazine or into and i could be wrong i don't know if that was out at the time but they had something similar where it had on the back of it sort of release dates for upcoming um albums and singles and so i remember vividly the date of this coming out i remember i i wasn't i wasn't at school i think we must have been on school holidays at the time i remember buying this from sanity in greensboro plaza the day it came out so much so that the woman behind the counter hadn't even put it on the shelves yet and she had to go out the back and get it from a box and so i always like to feel like i was one of the first people in the country to own the single because it was fresh out of the box but i remember going home and playing it it came with a um a poster of the dance steps um on the back and um i just remember even though i think i had the album by this point i just remember hammering the single to death and i i remember this day very very clearly it felt like the campaign was dying a little bit here Mm, it did feel like they had lost a bit of steam with one for sorrow um but that leads us into what brought the steam back up and that's oh yeah biggest selling single in the uk slash or double a side tragedy and heartbeat that was released on the 25th of january 1999 and debuted at number 34 on the 31st of january that year it picked at number 10 on the on the 4th of april well that's two days after my birthday Ooh. um that's because i bought all the cds i hope i was gonna say i hope you bought a few birthday hope someone gave it to you <laughs> as a gift i i did actually and it spent 13 weeks in the top 50 it was the 92nd best-selling single of 1999 in australia and it has been certified gold brad I think this is the point for you yeah. where you really started to get into steps. Is that right? The music, the video, it just, this is the one that really spoke to me. I, this is when I developed my uh, standship for Lisa and Lee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I've explained this to you guys, but I do have a little soft spot for the idea of Lee and Lisa as a couple. Oh, when they used to cuddle each other. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell Carrie and Johnny. I'm sure they know. They do know. But look at, I mean, look at Lisa's face when she sees Lee at the altar. If you're planning to get married to someone else, let's be honest, if any of us were getting married and then Lee turned up at the altar, we'd be pretty happy, but... Oh, I was going to say, I wouldn't be mad if he, <laughs> if he turns up and steals me from the altar. Take me. <laughs> Have the Speedos on underneath for later. <laughs> This was a really big one for me. This is kind of when I really became a really big fan. How about you guys? For me, I feel like 
I was actually just quite happy to finally have it because I remember tragedy. I remember hearing it for the first time again, Top of the Pops, and being actually quite confused because it wasn't on the album um, at that point. We'll get to that in a second. But um, I remember going, what is this song? And then going into, I remember going into my room and playing the CD, trying to find it. And I thought back to you was this song at one point. I was like, I think it's maybe that song. So I just remember like just wanting to have the song so bad that by the time it came out in Australia at the end of Jan, I remember buying it. I, I was just really happy to own it. The other thing that I always remember about this single is I can do the entire dance routine from start to finish from that top of the pots performance. I think we've spoken about this, Shane, like, I can still do it without even thinking. Same. And I remember I want, you know, the. I think they all wore like cargo pants in the performance. Mm-hmm. And I remember wanting cargo pants so badly because I think also like all saints at the time were wearing the cargo pants that I made my mum go, we couldn't find any, you know, I was 11 at the time. We went to like... I think it was like a women's clothing store and bought these cargoes. Suzanne, you went to Suzanne. So I think it was Suzanne or Miller's, to be honest. Like it was one of them. And it was a green, I remember Greensville Plaza because I was a Greensy boy. And um, I just distinctly remember like buying these cargo pants and then just wearing them. You know, it was like the peak of summer, but wearing these cargo pants and just listening to tragedy thinking I was in steps. I unlocked a core memory talking about steps um of talking about this song when we just 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 as a, as a moment then i remember having my 15th or 16th birthday i think it was and a bunch of friends over and i put it on and they actually weren't steps fans but they all knew it as well mm. and they were into it and they knew the dance and so then i started teaching the entire dance to like the 20 friends that i had at my birthday party and for a moment i was cool with liking steps <laughs> it was it's like a core memory i remember doing it in the backyard and then like we were all drinking like vodka cruises after that at my 16th birthday um hiding them from mum but um it's also for me where steps on top of the pops came into my sphere so i didn't really see five six seven eight or last thing in my mind or one for sorrow on top of the pops here um i think maybe that's because we didn't have foxhole for those three but we got it towards then um i saw them more on video hits which was you know i think i've mentioned that as australian video show i distinctly remember tragedy on top of the pops and that particular performance um yeah and it just appearing and being part of my sphere and then all of a sudden all the rest of them i saw on top of the pops yeah I also remember they played the Smash Hits Poll Winners Party. Yes. Yes. On Channel 10, like in a primetime spot. Mm. And just when tragedy, I mean, they played it for 97 when they did 5, 6, 7, 8. But in 1998, they closed the Smash Hits Poll Winners Party with tragedy. And that was like a moment. They were all in these white suits. Yes. Yep. That was a big, I remember watching that on the internet as well. Yeah. And I wonder if that, because normally they would put, that would be on around sort of Feb, March time here. Like it was always... November, December in the UK. So I wonder if that performance might have, maybe that was the, why it peaked at number 10. Maybe it was the week before that it was performed. Then everyone was at home. It was always a Sunday evening and they thought, good, got to go to Sanity and pop and buy a single tomorrow morning. And then it peaked at number 10. We also had cable shows like Channel V, I think, talking it. So they were new shows. Yeah. Um, they were Australian-based shows filmed in Sydney at the Entertainment Quarter at the Fox Studios in Sydney. And they become pivotal to Steps promotion and uh, you know other artists promotion over the next few years but they were just starting out so I think they also like I remember watching Andrew G he's now known as Osher yeah but watching him host with whoever he hosted with and them talking about tragedy and them like driving in the car and doing the dance while they're driving and with their hands going out the window and stuff like that that sort of added promo that's just there with people talking about it mm. was happening at the time as well it also leads into that Scott, you mentioned that you went home and tried to play the CD. Yeah. Uh, played Step 1 and you couldn't find this song at all. But Tragedy was quietly added to Step 1 in February. It was. Which helped Step 1 continue to stay in the top 50 during this era as well. It did. It did up until um, April. So, you know, the, you were saying before about, you know, you felt one for sorry, lost a bit of steam. I feel like with Tragedy, it did its job. It got them back in. We're back in the top ten. The album's still selling. So up until the end of April, the album can maintained within the top forty, top fifty. And so you know, quietly adding tragedy onto that, people probably thought, oh, I know, I'll go and get the album because it's got the uh, that new song on it. So um, I think tragedy it, it did its job. 
it did what it needed to do. It got them back in the top 10 um, and it kept the album ticking over. Around the time Tragedy was added onto uh, step one, though, there was another behind the scenes change that was happening, wasn't there? There was. So um, this is, oh God, this is like the part of the step story in Australia where I think it starts to like get, like it takes a turn. So basically um, to explain it, Steps, as we said before, were signed to Mushroom Records here in Australia. Now, at the time, Jive Records didn't have like a footprint in Australia. So if you were any sort of artist that was signed to Jive internationally, it wasn't uncommon that those artists, if if the label wasn't in that country, they would, you know, just be on a they'd have a distribution deal with another label in that specific country. Obviously, around this time, Jive Records, you had Britney Spears, you had NSYNC, you had Backstreet Boys, Aaron Carter, Tina Cousins and Steps. So there was a lot of the Jive artists that were doing really well in Australia. So Jive set up their own footprint here in Australia and opened up Zomba, which was like their subsidiary label. So that meant that Steps moved off Mushroom Records in April and then they moved over to Jive Records. At this same time... In April, Mushroom Records stopped production of all singles of Tragedy and they it also stopped production and distribution of Step 1. And this resulted in, um, it's very prominent because it happened all at the same time. Tragedy was doing really well. It was still in the top 20 at number 19. The following week from 19 to 45 and then it dropped out of the chart completely. And the same thing with Step 1. It was like hovering at the end of the top 50 and then on that same week it completely fell out of the chart as stores were obviously not getting getting any stock. So whatever was sort of there was what was left. So that was a big, that was a big sort of shift that happened at the same time, which resulted in when we're kind of leading into Better Best Forgotten. Because originally Better Best Forgotten was scheduled to be released here in April 99. Song lyrics appeared in TV Hits magazine and there was a competition to win one of, you know, 25 copies of the single. And as everyone knows, if the song lyrics are in Smash Hits or they're in TV Hits magazine, you know, the song was coming. Oh my God, yes. But it never arrived because during this time they moved labels and then by the time that everything was sort of set up and ready, we're already moving into sort of that mid, mid-year mid range where Love got, Love's Got a Hold of My Heart is, is on its way. So um, the label ultimately cancelled the release of Better Best Forgotten um, here in Australia. And there was also um, confirmation of this in a issue of TV Hits magazine in it must have been around May or June of um, 1999 where a reader who it wasn't me but I wish it was actually wrote into TV Hits magazine and said whatever happened to Steps um, we saw the lyrics for Better Best Forgotten in the song files but we never heard the song to which TV Hits said unfortunately just as Steps were about to release Better Best Forgotten they changed record labels and a decision was made not to release it but the good news is a brand new single Love's Got a Hold of My Heart is out later this month with a new album to follow. So, you know, unfortunate that Better Best Forgotten was never released here. I always do sort of wonder how it would have done. I know that I was really excited for it to come out here um, and I was sort of always a bit devastated that we never got it. But I, yeah, I always wonder how it would have charted. I almost, I don't know if it would have sort of been a bit of a one for sorrow and just hovered around the bottom end of the top 50 for a little bit. But um, I guess we'll never know. I think it would have done as the same as one for sorrow because in terms of song production, it's, um, and even the video clip, five, six, seven, eight, and last thing on my mind, a punchier, tragedy's punchier. Mm. Um, the, the film clips are more engaging. You can, you can kind of tell, this is not a criticism, but you can kind of tell that better best forgotten was a bit on a budget. Yeah. Um, and, and that would have translated, and also by that time, you know, if, if it had come out, I just think it would have done the same as One for Sorrow. Who knows? I also think with being featured in TV hits and smash hits, now that I work in the world of print media, there is a long lead time for those. Totally. Basically, they would have decided, okay, we're going to have Better Best Forgotten in the April edition in March. That would be why we never saw like the video on video hits because that needs a smaller lead time. Yeah. Before we... um move on to the Steptacular era though, we do have one last hit for Steps in 1999. We do. It wasn't wasn't all doom and gloom. We still, we didn't get Better Best Forgotten, but we we still got another single in a sense. So yeah, Brad, take it away. 
So in February 1999, Steps teamed up with Cleopatra, Billy Piper, Bewitched, and the amazing Tina Cousins at the 1999 Brit Awards to perform a tribute to ABBA as they were about to unveil the Mamma Mia musical. Tribute was called Thank Abba for the Music, and after that performance, it was decided to release it as a single, both in the UK and Australia. It ultimately debuted in Australia on the 25th of April 1999 at number 29, peaking at number 9 in June. So it actually outperformed a tragedy in this country. It did, and actually, notably as well, the week that it debuted at number 29, um, Tragedy was number 19. So again, we're back in an era where Steps have two singles in the top 30. Funny that you say that it outperformed Tragedy. That just leans into exactly what we said before about Australia's obsession with ABBA. So there we've got uh, ABBA on speed performing ABBA, and Australians are just lapping it up. Yeah, this was everywhere. Like, it's funny, for a song that was probably intentionally just sort of released because, like, oh, it was all right, we'll we'll chuck it out there. And in the UK, you know, it did well in the UK. But here, I mean, it it charted for six months in Australia. Mm. Like, it was everywhere, this song. It it felt like another, a big hit. And I I know a lot of people don't class this as a step single, but I 100% do, purely for the fact that, I think, you know, because it did so well here, it was very prominent. Um, I remember seeing it on video hits uh, like a, and on Rage as well. And it's funny that you say you classes as a step single. I, I, I kind of feel the same, Scott, because um, you think about it like steps are first billing in terms of the Super Troopers name because they're known as the Super Troopers. And it's it kind of feels like it's steps and they've... And they're backing singers. <laughs> Tina Cousins and Billy Piper and Cleopatra coming at you and Bewitched all coming in as their backing singers. (laughs) I think a lot of people kind of question why Tina Cousins is on the record. And I think I've read multiple times that I I think Pete Waterman kind of did it as a bit of a favour. He just sort of like chucked her on there. Um, But I I don't think she was originally meant to be part of it. I want to set you both a challenge post this podcast because I've noticed it and you may or may not have noticed it. But go back and listen to this song and listen to it with headphones and you will hear the very first, uh, you know, verse and chorus. So the very first is, I think it's Steps, do it. But when it starts the, the chorus part of singing Dancing Queen, where's the part where it says, you can dance? Claire's you and her vocals are just ever so slightly upped more than everybody else's. They just upped the volume there a little bit. Yeah, you can definitely hear Claire's you and like in there. I'm not going to sing because clearly that's not my job. <laughs> little nuances like that you can hear. So it's um, I'll see that challenge after. I just remember it was always on video hits. I think as well you got to the context is that I think the year prior the Grease Mega Mix had been a big hit in Australia. Yes. Yep. Huge. So it's definitely context in terms of like Australia's appetite for those kind of mashups as a single. Yeah, totally. Another iconic thing that happened around this time, not only was the, the Super Troopers at the Brit Awards that became a single and rah, 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 was Steps the Video. Uh, <laughs> now, Steps I the mean... Video, we, uh, I mean, can I just say three words? Pasta a la Clara is all I'm going to say because <laughs> Pasta a la Clara. Iconic. I was going to say the big top. (laughs) If you know, you know. That was, I mean, my Lord. I mean, watching that as a kid, watching it, thinking none the wiser, watching it as a 35-year-old grown gay man, um, I mean, if that wasn't him hinting without hinting. Oh, so funny. That's hilarious. I know in lockdown that Claire did a rehashed version of Pasta a la Clara. I think it was like 2020 lockdown or 2021. She does it um, where now. she had. She does. It doesn't have any tomato. Doesn't have any canned soup in it anymore. It's got like passata. It was, it was canned canned exactly. soup. Exactly. So the original has canned soup and ham, but the new one has passata sauce and it's got sun-dried tomatoes and things like that. So pancetta. Um, pancetta. That's right. Pancetta instead of ham. So she's leveled up her game. But steps the video. Talk about. 
that iconic. All of them actually did a rehashed version of their Steps to Video. On the on the DVD. That's right, on the What the Future Holds Live DVD. They did a little makeup thing. Lisa, I think, did some dance steps for um, Take Me For A Ride, I think. The, the... No, What the Future Holds. What the Future Holds, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Adding what you were just saying before, going back to Parcel Clara for a minute, during lockdown when she did that Instagram thing, I did actually make it. Do you, I think, do you remember this, Shane? Remember, I, I think I sent you a photo of I, I made it and she did a little repost. I've only made the original one. I haven't oh, made the I didn't, one. Oh, I made the original one. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not the best ingredients in the world, but it's it's very tasty. We should have a Parcel Clara night on Claire's birthday. Yeah, I think, what, May 8th? No, Claire's birthday's in August. She's a Leo. Born on the 17th of August, 1977. Faye is the 14th. 14th of November, Lisa is the 5th of November, H is the 7th of May, and Lee is the 28th of January. You know what's really cute? My oldest nephew was due on the 14th of November and was born on the 5th. Oh my God. So That's awesome. He's got the spirit of Lisa Scott Lee writing in him. Um, Brad, did you own the video at all? I did. I remember distinctly getting home, watching it, and I literally had a temper tantrum because <laughs> my brother kept on talking over the top of it. I just wanted to listen to it. And it was Lisa and Lee. Like You've already heard me talk about my obsession with Lee. Lisa and Lee as a Stan couple, and it was their segment. I also was always fascinated by the Scott Dash Lee. I always thought that that meant she was married <laughs> to him, but that's another story. <laughs> she took his first name, not his last name. Do you guys not find it interesting that for all their solo sections, Lisa, after steps, ended up owning a dance studio. Uh, Lee ended up becoming a personal trainer. Claire became well known for doing cooking segments on TV. True. H did tumble. I don't think Faye ever was a makeup artist, <laughs> but she did her own makeup for a lot of her West End shows. It's, it is quite funny that they all ended up following Very and going into their private lives. But we can discuss more of that on upcoming episodes. So that's the end of episode two, where we've discussed step one, uh, the various different singles that they released here in Australia and their success in Australia and how great that was. Uh, you can follow our podcast at Glitter Steps Pod on Instagram and you can follow me at Stepmeister on Instagram. And you can follow me at Steps Collection on Instagram. And if you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to rate and subscribe. See you next time. Bye. See you guys.